Season 2, Pilgrim Harder, or another sequel title. Um, It's still up for debate what we're going to call this second season. Pilgrim's Progress Cruise Control. Oh, Oh. Pilgrim Control. Yo, here, I know, this is it. A new hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) Now, technically, A New Hope wasn't a, a, a sequel. Oh, Oh wow! Yeah, and that come from the guy that has never even watched Star Wars. So, I know, but <laughs> welcome to season two, uh, two pilgrims, two podcasts. I was literally, I was <laughs> about to say that. Like, you stole my, you stole my funny. <laughs> Pilgrim v Progress, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> right, last time Nate pointed out a gaping big plot hole. Okay, what was that? Christian got out. Yes. Is that who we were last on with? Yeah. Man, that is like so long ago. I know. We did say we'd be back in September, but like we got That's so long ago. Sorry. Well, no. not blaming you. You're just doing your job. I was apologizing to the listeners. Yeah. I believe we passed a thousand listens while we were on our hiatus. So. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. All around the world. Hello to... Everybody who's not in Belfast, yeah. if you're not listening in Belfast, let us know. Don't tell us where you're listening from, just tell us that you're not in Belfast. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Faithful died a martyr and Christian got away. Well, we find out Christian's picked up a, another companion. So that's where we find ourselves. So Hopeful is a guy from Vanity Fair? Yes, I think so. And he left Vanity Fair to follow Christian. Yeah. And that's all we really know so far? Yeah. Just because he obviously found Faithful and Christian intriguing. Mm-hmm. And Christian got out of the city. Yeah, he also says. Somehow. Kofal said there would be many more men who would eventually follow them. All right. So that's us caught up. Yeah. And just as we're introduced to Hopeful, we're introduced to the main... main I know, can you call them an antagonist? Well, we're introduced to a man who refuses to give his name. Ah, uh, yeah. But we're told his name is Bayans immediately. Mm-hmm. And all the dialogue he has is recorded as Bayans says. Mm-hmm. He's a troll. In what way? Like an internet troll. Oh, right, yeah. Like he, doesn't give, he doesn't give his name, you know, he doesn't... He's the Instagram egg with no profile pic. Does Instagram have an egg? Was it Instagram or maybe it's Twitter? Is Twitter? Is it because Twitter's icon is a bird? Oh, that makes, sense. So makes sense. Yeah, of course. I've, I've never, I've never made that connection. Inst- Instagram had an egg, but didn't really, it? it's like the most famous picture on Instagram. Oh, really? Yeah. But that's not, but you're you're right. It's Twitter. So he's he's reluctant to. I suppose. Do you think they're aware that their names say an awful lot about them? The people? 
Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because they do sort of address it, but they don't really care. And his name's a nickname. Yeah. He sort of goes, oh yeah, people call me this. Yeah. And then it's like, I don't really know why, but I'm going to explain that I'm basically, <laughs> my character's basically the same as what people call me. Yeah. Right, well, give us a rundown of who he is and what we know about him, Harry. Well, who is he? Well, people, his nickname is Byant, and he's from Fair Speech. Um, the final of this, Christian says, is there anything good there? So, I mean, tells you all you need to know about Fair Speech. But yeah, basically sort of a personification of uh, maybe the prosperity gospel and a wee bit of the progressive gospel, I think, as well. He just blows, blows with the wind, and he'll only go to the on the route to the celestial city if it's, you know, culturally right. So he's a bit of a fair weather Christian. Aye, feather weather. That's the. I like I like the description of his dad. No, his granda. No, his great, great, great grandfather was a waterman. Looking one way and rowing another, and as soon as I read that description, I like, oh, I get it now. I get this. I get this caricature cartoon of who we're talking about here. Looking as though he's going in the right direction, but actually not going in the right direction. Looks like he's yeah. That's a good picture. Yeah. What does biens mean? You just took the words right out of my mouth. What is a, what is a biens? My understanding was he is someone who sees his faith, his religion as uh, a means to an end rather than the end in and of itself so my very presbyterian training brings me to the westminster shorter catechism question number one and it asks what is the chief end of man and our answer is the glory of god and enjoy him forever so that that's the the chief end of the christian whereas Bayan seems to be someone who's using Christianity and, and their religion as a means rather than an end to try and get something else. Yeah. So the definition of a buy-in is a private end or ambition, a secret purpose or design, hidden agenda. So sort of what you were saying. Yeah. Which I think is, is, is a pretty fair description of... Um, the prosperity gospel movement um or the faith movement stuff uh, as depicted in in documentaries like american gospel that it seems it seems certainly from the outside to um christianity for the desired purpose of getting something rather than christianity for the sake of god yeah i think there's a bit of the progressive christianity in this as well Especially with buy-ins, more than the other ones. Right. Just in the fact that, you know, they're fair weather and the fact that they don't want to stand up against a lot of the hardships Christians might face for standing in the truth. Mm-hmm. Progressive Christians try to water the message down a bit, to fit in a bit with society. And I do think there's a bit of that here with, with buy-ins in particular. Yeah. Suppose he says, um, before he even reveals his name, 
is as it is true that we somewhat differ in religion from those of the stricter sort, but in two small points in particular. First, we never strive against the wind and tide. And second, we are always most zealous when religion goes in his silver slippers. And that idea of silver slippers is, I think, uh, very pictorial. I think the f- I think the first point that he says there does pick up on the uh, progressive aspect of it, where the second point more picks up on the prosperity aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But I do think when his buy-ins, friends come in, it definitely focuses more on the prosperity element. But I think it's very relevant to the current time anyway. Why do you guys think that prosperity theology or the prosperity gospel or however you want to put it, what's so appealing about it? What's your opinion? You get stuff. Yeah, it's me. Me centered. There's promises. There's promises attached to it. You know, if you're if you're sick, you're going to get better. If you're poor, you're going to get richer. Everything that they offer has immediate results. And how much? How much of the blame do we, as the church, have to have to take that that it is so so popular? How much of the blame do we have to take in not preaching what, I don't know, what, what Sinclair Ferguson would call the whole Christ, you know? Hmm. Well, I mean, in one sense, the guys peddling the prosperity gospel aren't wrong. Did you get that? Get, did you get that? Yeah. <laughs> Is this being we'll recorded? Have to, we'll have to <laughs> edit that bit out after. Yeah. The sound of the union. Um what what they're offering and what they're highlighting you know the he- healings and and no longer being sick and no longer being in need and and no longer being impoverished that that's all true and all good things but they're they're all fulfilled in the age to come after Christ's return whereas they talk about them in the immediate in the temporal in the now mm-hmm and the problem is that when they don't come and when we face hardships in the life at the minute, which we will, they don't have a solution or a framework really for dealing with that. How do you how do you keep a vibrant and fervent prosperity gospel faith alive when you're faced with sickness or health issues or or a pandemic or there's no hope. There's no theology or doctrine of dealing with difficult times. There's no room for lament. Mm. And as well, I think they almost treat Jesus as like Hermes or Yodel or DPD or pick whatever sort of... You know. I think you're talking about like false gods. No, no. <laughs> like Hermes or Zeus or uh, Hercules. or. But you know, like you look at Jesus and Jesus is going to take you uh, and he's going to deliver... Uh, these yeah. these bunch of blessings that are that are apart from him that are that are separate from him rather than you know every blessing being being in him yeah he's yeah the genie yeah, yeah we're not offering like what do you call that you know like house insurance or fire yeah, insurance, fire insurance. We're, I mean, yeah we're offering Jesus himself mm-hmm. yeah there's one prosperity preacher in particular that always stands out for me and yeah. Uh, I can't remember where we were, but you were there. You were there too, Stephen, when he uh, gave the 
the example of giving his umbrella away, and then all of a sudden he, yeah, yeah. Uh, he got a bigger umbrella. <laughs> he got a bigger umbrella. I thought, God, you were so good. I gave up my old beat-up umbrella, and you gave me back a double wide. <laughs> I get my whole family under this one. And that seems very small. You know, I don't want to say who it was, but his name, his name rhymes with Brol Mostein. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it just seems too small for it to be now and to disappear. When, you know, James talks about our life is a mist. You know, when we have something that is, as Peter talks about it being an incorruptible life to come, that's when you want all this stuff. That's when all this stuff's promised for. You know, this is what John sees at the end of the Revelation, where he says there's no more sickness, there's no more death. You're in a city that is literally gold. All the stuff that they're peddling for and pushing for is all there, but it's just on it's on the wrong side of of Christ's return. Mm-hmm. That's what our hope is based upon, not the experience necessarily of our now. Mm-hmm. And I think to weave this back into the pilgrimage and the and the journey here, I think it's fair to say that he wants. He wants everything, and that includes his his religion. He's like the bolt of electricity or whatever it is. That'll, you know, the, tries to find the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. He just wants everything to be simple uh, and easy and beneficial uh, for him, and that that extends out to his his religion. You know, the 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 chief end for him is not to. Uh, Whatever it was that you Presbyterians talk about, yeah. What is that one again? You know, he Lord doesn't want God and yeah, yeah, forever. No, no, no. He doesn't. His chief end is not to, and you know, enjoy God. It's to enjoy his things. It's yeah. He, his desire is to be uh, satisfied in mm-hmm. the in the here and now. Yeah, and he doesn't have that as you're talking about. You know that, you know the the prize lying before him. Whereas for him, he wants everything, including his religion, easy for for him, simple for him, beneficial for him, so that in the end, he's the winner. Yeah. Here and now. Yeah. It's, I mean, they completely trivialize it. It's the marshmallow test. You get kids and ask them, do you want a marshmallow now or two marshmallows a few hours from now? And the kids that want the marshmallow now tend to be those that want shortcuts. Those that don't want to do the hard work, they want the, the, the quick kill. They grab that marshmallow. But the other ones say, no, wait a minute. If I wait two hours, I can get two marshmallows. I can hold out. There's a pot of gold waiting for me. They're not going to take the shortcut. And it seems like he's going for the marshmallow now. Mm-hmm. And then he's finished eating it. And that's all he has. Memories of eating a marshmallow. Mm-hmm. With nothing to hope for. Yeah. Like you, like you said before, he, it's just it's a means to an end for him. And the 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 the, the pursuit uh, for him is not in uh, pursuing Christ, but it's it's to use Christ in order to advance self and to you know self gratification and self fulfillment and to have his best life now. And I'm sure, I mean, we probably know people like this, 
you know, because he's from he's from Fair Speech, so his words I'm sure sound good. He, he's like a few characters that we've seen. He talks a good talk, but the walk is sadly lacking. Yeah, yeah. What would you say to him about? I mean, how how do you think he would answer um, facing hard times in his religion and his walk with Christ? You know, Christian tells him to own his religion when it's in rags as well as when it's in silver slippers. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so there's a little bit of a reprimand there, and and Bayan pushes back, basically saying, "You're not the boss of me. You know, you'll mm-hmm. not you'll not be my judge. You'll not impose your views upon me." <clears throat> yeah, and and I I can see Christian's line of thinking and his his argument here that you know sometimes this is facing difficult times and you have to be ready for that. But how do you think Bayans would cope when he faces? You know, he's a self-professed Christian here. He sees himself as on the pilgrimage too. How do you think he would understand his difficulties when he comes across them? I, don't, I think he'd uh, he probably would find it hard to comprehend, like why he is having these. Um, these difficulties because his whole theology or worldview is that he shouldn't be having them. So, if he is having them, he believes he's probably doing something wrong. Um. So, yeah, it it probably Chris, Christian and hopeful are. The best thing that could happen to Bayans, yeah. But he's just too far along the pilgrimage, I think, to to realise that. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what he really would need is is that that instruction and that encouragement at the very start of his pilgrimage, or maybe even generations before. You know that that, that the family could have done with that, um, yeah. or the whole town, uh, and and this is just simply. Uh, a, a product, as it were, of of just uh, generation after generation of living for yourself and and doing it doing it your own way, and you know, just allow yeah. me to do as I think best. Mm-hmm. You know, he's never going to desert his old principles. Mm-hmm. He tells Christian, mm-hmm. "I just I don't think he he would get through the slough of despond, let alone oh, no way the valley of the shadow of death." Mm-hmm. In some ways, he's not too. Different from Pliable. Yes. Yeah, Pliable only went because it sounded good. Yeah. He's like Pliable a bit further on. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I mean, Christian, even Christian himself, um, at the at the swamp or at the slide, it was help that came along and helped him, you know? It was yeah. basically pulled him out, like, you know? And as we've seen along the way, along the very start of Christian's pilgrimage right on through, uh, he's had those people coming along and journey with him, whereas by ends, by all accounts, hasn't. Mm-hmm. And he's left, as you said, to his own uh, seemingly harmless and profitable uh, principles. I think, I mean, I think when we've all been involved in youth ministry and one shape or form, and I think we've seen those kind of young Christians who have never wanted for anything, have never had to face any hardship. 
and then the first moment and sometimes that comes you know at, at high school sometimes that comes at university or the first steps into the workplace and they hit opposition or hardship and they've never had a crisis of faith before and i think by ends here is you know one crisis of faith away from turning around and heading back like so many of these characters we see running the opposite direction to christian mm-hmm. there's no category for hardship you know he he seems completely oblivious to christ's command to count the cost because that well that, that's one of the marks of true discipleship you know there's there's that that element of of sacrifice yeah that element of of suffering as it were whereas Bayens just sees christian and hopeful as uh, an impingement on his freedom and his and his liberty uh, whereas the complete opposite's true, you know. Don't impose this on me. Don't lord it over me. Um, what do you make of his um, definition of Christian and hopeful to his friends when they come along with some cracker names like "Hold the World"? <laughs> it feels like Bunyan's not even trying at this stage. Um, <laughs> money love. Mr. Money Love and Save All, <laughs> all taught by Mr. Greitman. He's a schoolmaster in love game. Wow. No, they are good. I think hold the world, you know, triple barrel name <laughs> is has been a low point so far for Bunyan's allegorical uh, grab bag. I think Molly Love is pretty bad. Like, sounds like a Bond girl. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Money Penny. Money Penny. <laughs> so anyway, his description when he talks to Money Love about uh, who these guys are. Yeah. I think it's interesting the way said so rigid to their own beliefs think little of the opinions of others you know you do hear a lot of that rhetoric even from people who aren't even christians you know they would say that christians could be very set in their own beliefs i mean put positively it's these guys stand firm yeah yeah well they're yeah, well, that's a positive spin you could put on it. You know, I was going to use the word uh, extreme. Yeah. yeah, you know, they're too, they're 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 too uh, demanding, or they're, you know, they're, they're radically conservative. Yeah, they're. I mean, money loves quite ecumenical. Is that the word? Money loves quite sort of. You know, why did they not just wait? You know, we're all, we're yeah, all, yeah, yeah. we're all on a pilgrimage. You know, when, you know, that sort of all all roads lead to heaven, sort of thing. You know. Why didn't they just wait and we could have all gone ourselves? And I think we see at the end of this conversation, Christian and Hopeful have discerned at least that they're not all on the same path. These guys aren't going to the same destination mm-hmm. or won't make it unless there's a, a, a radical change. Also, uh, this is a bit different from what we've been talking about, but this seems like the only part of the book where there seems to be a conversation where like Christian's not really involved. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The sad characters are having their own wee yeah. kind of episode. Because that doesn't really happen. Like, it's like a spin-off, spin-off show. Yeah, like Christian and Hopeful. Because it says later, they're just ahead of them. So they can probably hear them. Yeah. I imagine them talking just loud enough mm-hmm. for Christian and Hopeful uh, to hear. Yeah. And did you notice the escalation? He says, they are for religion when in rags and contempt. Mm-hmm. But I am for him when he walks in his golden slippers. Does okay, right? We've, I, we've moved up from silver to gold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's almost a like a an over embellishing 
Yeah. So they they have this conversation. I think you're right, Harry. I think it is un, an unusual part of the story. They even use biblical examples for, you know, the prosperity angle stuff. Abraham and Solomon were rich. Job was rich. So it's okay to be rich. Mm-hmm. That, But again, their focus seems to be on what they can accrue more than glorifying God and enjoying him forever. Well, it's not even that, I guess. Well, I suppose it is It is that too. But, I mean, Money Love talks about, you know, the one that believes neither scripture nor reason. And you see that we have both on our side. So it's not just that they're out to, to get all they can, but they actually believe that scripture's on their side and as you say they give the example of Abraham and, and, and Solomon and so maybe they believe really really believe that what they're doing is the, the right thing to do mm. and uh, you can see as well their buy-ins uh, asks a rhetorical question you know suppose there was a, a man you know a minister or a tradesman should have an opportunity before him to obtain the good things of this life, yet he cannot obtain them unless, in appearance at least, he becomes extraordinarily zealous in some points of religion which he had no interest in beforehand. May he not use such religion to attain his end and still be a, a righteous and and honest man? You know, and forget about that part of the Bible that talks about the love of money being the, the root of all, all evil. You know, why can't the minister uh, use religion for his for his own personal gain? And he, maybe that has something to say about uh, Bunyan and his own imprisonment and his own uh, problems that he had with the, the, the church at that point. You know, maybe, I don't know, or you guys are probably more versed in it than, than me, possibly. Um, but was that a was that a problem with the, the pastoral appointments in in Bedford at the time? I suppose the Anglican ministers in Bedford would be fairly more well off than uh, the sort of nonconformist ministers, uh-huh. which Bunyan was. Well, the nonconformists are in jail, so it wouldn't be hard no. to. But even when they you weren't know, in jail, much more well off than that. Even when they weren't in jail, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, they were never going to get as much money as if they went for the Anglican one. Mm-hmm. So I suppose a minister, a worthy man, possesses a very small benefice. Mm-hmm. Apparently, a benefice was an Anglican term for return to the economic benefits attached to a ministry, such as lands, a house, and so forth. Right. Ministers with smaller benefices oh. were often anxious to acquire bigger and better ones, sometimes resorted to devious means to get them. Mine just uses the word salary. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, so. But that sort of yours expounds it a lot, a lot more. Yeah. In some ways, their ministry was perhaps a front for them to become more wealthy. Yeah. But I'm sure not all of them were like that. Times seems the majority of them were. But anyway, as I say, by ends asked the question, Money Love gives him the answer, and then they all give each other a round of applause. Mm-hmm. Raw, 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 raw. And it's uh, it's like they're 
they're rehearsing it mm-hmm. because they're going to ask the same question to Christian. <laughs> so it's like they're, you know, are we are we definitely sure we've got a good answer here? You know, let's let's throw it around first of all with us to make sure that we're that we're watertight. Yeah. And and now that we're sure of this, and now that we've had this in our own we kind of separate conversation away from the main characters of the show, now we can bring it to them and confound them. Absolutely. It made me again there's another little uh, humorous part here where Christian gives him this I mean it's a page long answer here in my book. Yeah. Um, and then they all just stand staring at each other and all that's missing is Christian sort of going you can't see that obviously but that's me giving a sort of bit of pizzazz there <laughs> you know and Christian knocks them dead you know but I think um, you get that at the start of his answer as well you know we, they, they said and they're waiting for him to be stunned silent and his response immediately is even baby Christians know this mm-hmm. even a babe in religion may answer 10,000 such questions I mean, Christian, like, the, the gloves are off here, like, you know, when he's been talking to buy-ins by himself. And he has been, you know, he, he's talked to him about, you know, going, uh, own religion when, when in his rags as well as in his silver slippers at that stage. And that's, I mean, that's forceful enough, I guess, but here it's a, it's a barrage of, of an answer here. It's like, have you seen the trailer for the new, the Batman movie? With Robert Pattinson. Yes. And he kind of beats that thug in front of all the other thugs just a little bit longer than he needed to. I'm vengeance. (laughs) This is what kind of a Christian does here because they gang up on him. They give them this question that's going to wreck him. And he just comes out with his guns and has, you know, these are heathens, these are hypocrites, these are devils, these are witches, these are useless. And he describes Judas in his third point <laughs> as being religious for the money bag. Just just like that that phrase. Now Don Thon see Don there Judas one, he was he was religious for the money bag. He loved the money. He did. Mr. Money Love. <laughs> but they're, they lag behind. There's a long silence. They're staring at each other. What have they just heard? And Hopeful approves. Hopeful approves of Christian's answer. Amen. And Christian basically tells them, if they can't stand before uh, the sentence of men, then what do they do when they stand before the sentence mm-hmm. of God? Mm. Christian's really... Uh, I mean, Christian... If I can remember the last time... Over the course of these few chapters, Christian is really sort of coming out uh, on his own, and he's more and more taking the lead and being that that leader and discipling, mm-hmm. as well as being taught. Also, you know, there's still that humility of of learning, but he's also uh, standing up and and taking the lead as well. Yeah, I suppose hopeful is literally a babe in religion at this point. Mm-hmm. And we see that he approves of the soundness of Christian's answer. He thinks, yeah, your man's got it. Sounds good. And that's it. They fall behind into the distance, into the haze. And Christian and Hopeful outwent them again until they came to a delicate plane called Ease. Do I think it's sort of ironic after chatting to these guys about, you know, it's not all about the wealth and the ease. Uh huh. Comfort. 
the next place that goes somewhere of comfort. That is very true. I hadn't even noticed that. And I suppose that indicates, you know, that Christian said to Baez, you know, you have to love the faith in rags and riches. Baez articulated that to his friends as these guys only love the rags. Mm-hmm. You know, saying that there will be there will be valleys of difficulty, but there will also be mountain tops of good times. It's not we only want the rags. It's just saying that there will only be riches, there there will only be silver slippers isn't enough. Won't get you through it. Mm-hmm. They just happen to come across somewhere where, yeah, you could wear your silver slippers, your gold slippers. I hadn't noticed that. I approve of the soundness of your answer. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Join us next time. This season of Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim Harder, we'll be looking at the Darting Castle, the Giant of Despair, the Delectable Mountains, the River of Death. And eventually we might even get to the Celestial City. Ooh. So stay tuned. Keep listening. This episode is uh, going to be dedicated to Nolag New. Those of you who've listened to us will remember him. He always came and shared his words of wisdom with us in the podcast, but he uh, passed away uh, while we were on hiatus there. Uh, we're obviously going to miss miss him and uh, just his wisdom. But uh, yeah, we give God the thanks for his impact he's had and the, the wisdom he's also given on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, feel free to follow us on our social medias at Pilgrim's Pod. And that's it. So, see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.